Hey guys, Newton Cal here, and welcome back to Off Cooldown. Say hi, Cal. Hi. Unfortunately, our friend Q is sick right now, and he can't join us in tonight's episode. So we'll just keep this episode short and sweet, so we won't miss him too much. If you're listening in, Q, hope you get well soon. Tonight's episode is going to be an LFG, where we recommend you the games that we've been playing recently. And what is this game that we're recommending tonight, Cal? Uh, it's Assassin's Creed Valhalla's The Siege of Paris DLC. And from what I know, you actually played through the entire DLC already, and you even wrote a review about it on Clutch Points. What yep. can you share to our viewers about your experience playing The Siege of Paris DLC? Okay, so first off, Assassin's Creed Valhalla: The Siege of Paris is Valhalla's second expansion. So the first one was Wrath of the Druids, set in Ireland. This time, it's The Siege of Paris, set in, of course, Paris. So it's ninth-century Fran- Francia. Yeah, Francia. Then, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's based off of the historic Viking raids on the city of Paris, and uh, it was really I found it kind of fun. Uh, it was a lot of what you already know from the base Valhalla experience. So it's a big open world, lots of side quests, lots of secrets, like puzzles, and then people to <laughs> fight and people to kill. And then, so the story is very political. It's about uh, King Charles the Fat becoming, like, descending deeper and deeper into madness. While the threat of the Vikings, like, surround his city and then all the politics in between like warring factions that are fighting each other for control so it's kind of fun and since Valhalla is like the most political Assassin's Creed in a while anyway it kind of fits in it's also very gritty and I really the like for me the best thing about this DLC is okay the second best thing about the DLC is the atmosphere so I really liked how it juxtaposed the grim gritty plague-ridden slums of paris versus the like the countryside of france which is like full of flower fields and stuff like that so it was really really nice to see uh what else well actually the, my fo- most okay go ahead you know um it's actually funny that a lot of people are just finding out right now that uh, with this game that the vikings actually raided paris uh, when oh. my brother heard about it, he was like, Oh, so it's already fantasy this time. They're going beyond what's in the history books. And I was like, No, it actually happened. The Siege of Paris was an actual yeah. historical moment where, uh, if I remember correctly, um, after Charles the Fat lost... Oh, sorry. Spoilers on history. <laughs> when Charles the Fat bought peace from the Vikings so that they'd stop uh, attacking Paris, it led to his downfall. And yep. it would be um, because of because of his fall, the Frankish kingdom would be splintered and divided into different factions and groups. And France won't be united as one entire kingdom or entire empire until the time of Napoleon Bonaparte in you know 1800s. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, 1800 or 1700s. I, I I'm sorry. I only know my medieval history to present things. <laughs> But yeah, um, so this is actually a focal point, a turning point in European history. And it's actually surprising that not a lot of people knew about the Vikings raiding Paris until now. So it's really nice how 
you know video games actually teach histories to some people even if it's not as weird or even if some people won't think that it's actually sticking to the historical facts but you know it sometimes um, helps people become more curious they start googling stuff and wondering whether or not these things actually happen so yeah big props to Ubisoft for choosing a really good um, moment in history to feature in their latest DLC yeah I think it was a bit unexpected because like most like the Viking fantasy is always leaving Scandinavia and then raiding monasteries in England right so I guess a lot of people will be quite mm, interested in this unique experience but yeah my that like I talked about the atmosphere before and that was my second favorite thing but my actual favorite thing about this DLC are the black box assassinations so kind of in the style of the missions from Assassin's Creed Syndicate and Unity uh, it's like Hitman sandboxy style levels so you're finally free to assassinate your target in any way you want you have to investigate clues before you find the right way in and infiltrate the target uh, there's a lot of like NPCs you can talk to that will give you like different clues on like the routine of your target where you can find them like the surroundings and what you can use to kill them and then if you do enough investigation you actually get to assassinate the target using a special like there's a special cinematic that plays so I don't want to spoil any of them but there are five and then yeah they're the best part of the DLC by far and it's actually sad that um, this black box missions didn't really carry over to uh, what's after Unity Origins, right? Origins and then hmm. uh, we have Odyssey. It's sad that it didn't carry over in those two games because black box, uh, you know, Unity and Syndicate were really bu- buggy as hell and they weren't really as good as the other um, Assassin's Creed games. And black box was mostly. Um, everything that's going for it's the only good thing in the entire package and it's sad to see them go and it's really nice that they brought it back in Siege of Paris DLC but it's also kind of like a missed opportunity for them to bring it back entirely you know as part of the base game there could have been a lot of instances um, where they could have implemented black box missions in the base game and you know in Ireland but I guess that's one selling point of the Siege of Paris DLC that will make some players want to buy this game. Especially si- especially for those who are fans of Hitman games. You know, um, if you don't really play Assassin's Creed games, but you play Hitman games, you might want to try this one out. Uh, go buy Assassin's Creed Valhalla and just get Siege of Paris and then level up enough so that you'll be able to access the DLC content. And then from there, just do all of the black box uh, missions. And then I think it's well worth the money you'll be spending it on. Especially since, you know, Ubisoft games usually go on sale a lot on every platform that they're on. I think the black box missions are not yet, like, as varied as as Hitman is. But, well, there's no Hitman set in... 9th century Francia so the the setting is really what makes it a lot more interesting here Uh, what else I really think that I agree with you regarding black boxes being a missed opportunity but I feel like Origins and Odyssey were like a first step into this new RPG Assassin's Creed kind of game so 
I'm glad that they're bringing it back for this DLC and hopefully then future Assassin's Creeds also have it. I mean, uh, I don't know if this is a hot take, but I actually like this RPG direction that Assassin's Creed is going to. And I, I think that while I like this direction, I feel like they haven't struck the correct balance between being an assassin and just like being a protagonist of an action adventure. So I feel like they need to swing a bit more into the assassin territory. Yeah, you know, so, yeah. fans of the old Assassin's Creed games from, you know, Altair and Ezio and Brotherhood and Revelations might not like the direction that the Assassin's Creed franchise is going to right now because it's less stealth and more open world RPG. Yeah. Um, if it's actually closer to games like, um, let's see. The Witcher. Yeah, more like a, a, a more fluid Witcher game. Um, a more fluid Skyrim game compared to it being a stealth game like Assassin's Creed and mm. um, again uh, I want to harken back to the black box missions because if you're a fan of the old school Assassin's Creed games you'll get your feel from those black box missions so if you've been a lapsed fan you might want to get back into the franchise on Valhalla and get the Siege of Paris DLC but you know, Cal, speaking of future games in the franchise, I, um, I think this is a topic for a future episode, but just for everyone's um, just for everyone's benefit, mm-hmm. Ubisoft actually announced that the future Assassin's Creed games will start being live service games. Um, no. I'm just not sure if they're going to be free to play like most live service games. But they said that the next Assassin's Creed game will, um, you know, will have evolving content with seasons and stuff like that. To me, I think that's a, that's that they could either hit or miss on this one, because you know there are a lot of different historical periods and countries that they could explore using this model. Um, mm-hmm. They could just move from one country to another, one setting from another, with the season kind of implementation with the live service program Mm -hmm. but at the same time I'm not sure if it's also good for the franchise to no longer have single player um, you know single player open world games that don't really need you to be connected to the internet all of the time actually I'm not sure if the Assassin's Creed games nowadays require you to be um, on all the time on all the time I'm not sure I don't play on PC (laughs) well but I think it allows you to it just checks for new content at the main menu but then when you start playing i don't think i got any disconnection notices but yeah live service games assassin's creed uh that's for a future hot take episode but Mm -hmm. for now yeah speaking of future i hope that even if they do implement that live service uh live service model for the assassin's creed franchise they still bring back the black box in the future you know it would be a shame if they don't implement that yeah man i feel like that's my one of my big asks for assassin's creed okay so i guess let's do some housekeeping now i'm gonna tell you guys all the new features that are coming in yeah new features yep so i already talked about the black box another one is uh of course some new weapons we're getting I, I was really surprised that I didn't realize that one-handed swords weren't in the game until the latest update just before the Siege yeah. of Paris. Who needs, so, who needs swords if you have the axes, right? 
That's true. I don't use a sword much, but it's actually interesting because you actually have opponents in uh, the base game of Valhalla who use a shield and a short sword. It's really yeah. odd that you can't do the same as Eivor. Yep. <laughs> so now we have one-handed swords that came in the update before Siege of Paris. So that's free for everyone. But if you have the DLC, you also get scythes. So they're giant two-handed scythes that are pretty slow, but really help in like group fighting groups. So yeah, that was pretty fun. You kind of look like a Grim Reaper. Like your silhouette kind of looks like a Grim Reaper with a raven. So that's pretty cool. Uh, there are also new skills and abilities. One of them is called the Rat Swarm. So this game has rat swarms as an environmental like puzzle kind of thing. And they're very annoying. <laughs> and they can kill you very easily. So they basically come at you and then eat up your HP little by little if you don't spam attacks. And then, so yeah, this, ar- this new skill lets you summon a rat swarm whenever you hit someone with an arrow with this ammo so it's kind of gruesome you just shoot someone and then you see like rats come out of nowhere and then suddenly attack them and everyone near them so it's kind of (laughs) rough and then another one is the goal breath which is a poisoned arrow type that makes the enemy you know sick and then everyone near it will freak out so that one's pretty common i was surprised that that wasn't already in valhalla but yeah uh, another one is the new rebel mission system. So this is basically like a reputation system for Paris. You just spam small missions in the open world and then you get ranks and get currency. Then there's also like a side story thing about it, but it's a bit tedious and you know, like open world tedium kind of thing. I didn't really enjoy it, but it's it's there. And then yeah, so the story I already talked about and the setting. Yeah. So those are the biggest new features. There are also a bunch of like equipment, tattoos, hairstyles, stuff like that you'd expect. So yeah, yeah. new cosmetics as well. It's actually funny, you know, the rat swarm thing that you just mentioned earlier. <laughs> um, the game Plague Tale Innocence just came out in the um, what do you call this? The PS Plus service, and uh-huh. it was also a free game from the Epic Game Store a couple of weeks back. So a lot of people have been playing that game and you know in that game um, in Plague Tale Innocence the rats are your enemies right and mm-hmm. here in Valhalla they're your pets kind of like a gruesome kind of way to call them pets but they're on your side here you make them attack enemies and yeah, it's disgusting but you know that's what the French get for not showering every day oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're kind of an enemy here too because they're also like an environmental block. Yeah, but at least you can use them to attack your opponents, right? Okay, In... that also works. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if you're expecting the kind of physics or, you know, uh, the, the rats in Plague Tale Innocence are top tier, different mm-hmm. level. You don't, don't, don't compare them to the rats that we have here in Paris. But anyway... If you want to get a copy of the game yourself, Assassin's Creed Valhalla and the Siege of Paris DLC are available on PC, Google Stadia, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and the Xbox Series X. The base game retails at $60 and the Siege of Paris DLC comes at $25. If you're like me, you can buy the $120 Ultimate Edition which already has the Siege of Paris DLC in the Season Pass and the Ultimate Pack which is bonus Berserker's content. Buying the $120 Ultimate Edition pack was actually dumb for me to do 
because Ubisoft invited us in a press event to cover the release of Siege of Paris and they sent us early access code so that we could play Siege of Paris days before the release. So I technically got the Siege of Paris DLC twice. I asked Ubisoft if we can give away the code instead, you know, so that it won't go to waste. But they didn't allow us to give away early access code specifically for the media. So instead, they gave us $50 worth of Helix credits for both PS4 and PS5 to give away. Thank you, Ubisoft, for that small gift to our fans here. And for you who is listening right now, you can join the raffle by just heading over to our Facebook page, liking it. It's off cooldown or at off cooldown if you're looking for the at handle. And like this episode, share it to your friends, and then comment down below which platform you'll play Assassin's Creed Valhalla on. We'll announce our two winners in our next episode, one for the PS4 and one for the PS5. Sorry fams on PC, Xbox, and the two of you who plays on Stadia. <laughs> we only have codes for the PlayStation versions. And with these Helix credits, you can purchase from the in-game store premium items like cosmetics and a complete map marker. So you can have a map full of icons. Don't don't do the icon thing, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Cal and I stand in opposite directions here because I actually like it when a map is full of icons. It makes me feel like, oh, the game I bought has lots of content. It's it's well worth the money I spent it on, you know, because there's a lot of things that you could collect and you see it, you see everything on the screen. But some people might argue things like, oh, you can actually just Google it. You can just um, find all of these icons in a map and then paste it on the wall or put it on your computer and just oh. alt tab whenever you want. But actually, it saves you a lot of time from and a lot of hassle by just having all of those icons on your map. But I understand Cal doesn't like that. Oh, I actually, it's not because of like Googling or whatever, because I actually hate opening another application when I'm already playing a game. What I don't like is like it ruins the exploration immersion. So, okay, I'm gonna gush about Ghost of Tsushima for a really short time, but I really liked how that game like just let me explore. And then, whenever, like, there's no mini map. So, this open world game has no mini map, and you just walk around, and then as you walk around, it will prompt you like where to go without being obtrusive so i really like that it feels like i'm actually exploring and i discovered this instead of zooming into a mini map and then oh just looking at it while i get closer so yeah <laughs> please don't get the icon thing well, actually you know if only genshin impact had this option i'd buy it in a heartbeat because you need <laughs> to know where all of those ascension materials are at all times and whenever they respond because they don't respond every day some respond at two days some respond every week and you just have to memorize when they will be back uh, so that you can ascend your characters and Cal I know that you've just started playing Genshin Impact recently to get your Mm -hmm. idea but uh, you'll have to deal with that soon you know get get your ass to Inazuma immediately so that you get the ascension materials for Yoimiya because you won't be able to level her up if you don't get to Inazuma anytime soon I see oh no (laughs) And yeah, that's going to be it for our first LFG. We do hope that Q will be well enough so you can be with us next episode. But get that's well all. Soon. Yeah, get well soon, Q. But that's all for now from me and Cal. Good night, folks. Stay frosty, and we'll see you in our next episode. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.